Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now, from the Star Reynolds Sports Desk, your 93.3 KJRFM Sports Headlines. Sports Headlines, 4 o'clock. Brought to you by Buddy's Goodies and Glass. It's always 420 at Buddy's, baby. Shane Wright got his first NHL points with an assist on a Ryan Donato goal. But the Kraken get their second overtime loss already this season, falling 4-3 at Climate Pledge to St. Louis. In baseball, Austin Nola, the first player in history to record a hit off his brother in a postseason game in an 8-5 San Diego win over the Phillies. Last evening, NLCS tied at 1-1 game three tomorrow night in Philadelphia. And Justin Verlander went six innings, allowing just three hits, striking out 11. Jeremy Pena, three hits, including a homer and a 4-2 game one Astros win over the Yankees in the ALCS. Game two is coming up in about a half hour from now. Cal Raleigh announces a finalist for the Gold Glove Award at catcher. NFL injury report, Keenan Allen, Corey Lindsley, both limited for the Chargers at practice today. We'll see if they can go, hopefully not, against the Seahawks on Sunday. 49ers pass rusher Nick Bosa says he's optimistic he'll return this week against the Chiefs after missing the last game and a half with a groin injury. And Pats quarterback Mac Jones cleared to practice, should be able to start Monday night against the Bears. Mike Holmgren is here at the Central, and let's chat with him right now. As part of our exclusive in-depth coverage of the NFL, your home for the 12th man proudly presents former Seahawks head coach and Super Bowl champion, Mike Holmgren. Brought to you by Toyota of Kirkland and by CenturyLink Fiber on Seattle's sports leader, Sports Radio 93.3, KJR-FM. Ah, we are here. No Dave Softy Mahler today. He'll be back with us uh, tomorrow. But Coach is here. And, uh, Coach, I'm thinking about you, you know, walking along the lake. And I'm wondering if you've been able to do that the last few days with uh, 245 unhealthy air. Uh, Have you been staying inside the last few days? You've been braving it out there. You know, Dick, if my voice sounds a little weird, (laughs) a little weirder, I should say, because I I cough and I have a, you know I have to watch my breathing anyway. <clears throat> it really it's really messing with me a little bit. Yeah. You know because we do walk the dog every day, Kath and I, and uh, we usually sit out on the patio and have a little happy hour and just sure. kind of enjoy the lake. But we're it's it's been bad. It's been bad. So we try to be careful. Yeah. All know? the my you know I keep getting the updates from my kids' schools. You know all after school yeah. activities outdoors have been canceled and you know they would have. If if it was as bad as it was yesterday, I I, I was talking to to Jen Cohen on the sidelines at the Portland State game because the Portland State Husky game they had bad air too. Yeah, but it wasn't this bad. And she said, "Yeah, if it if it's stays over two hundred for a prolonged period of time, then you really think about canceling the game." Well, if, if the Husky game would have been yesterday, they yeah. might not have had one. No, I know. I, I, I was <laughs> I was watching the news last night, and and one of the stories. Uh, the top five stories was that Seattle, uh, last evening or the evening before the last couple of days, has the worst air quality in the world. 
Yes. In the world. Ahead of some city in Pakistan, which no, is yeah. not good. No. No, I mean, <laughs> Kathy's, Kathy went on a missions trip to India, and she said that was really bad. I go, this is worse. <laughs> this is this worse. Is worse. Than, this is worse than that. Well, we get a, we've got a pretty good football team to talk about here, Coach, and a team that I think is, is surprising a lot of people. And I want to know if the type of win that they got on Sunday, 19-9, to where your defense really did a nice job, is that even a more encouraging type of win than if they would have won 44-34 to and their defense would have just gotten shredded up and down the field, but Gino was hot and they just scored a bunch of points? Was it more encouraging because the side of the ball that was struggling played their best game of the season? Yeah, I think that's, that's the way to look at it. I mean, you're going to have a game like that, and first of all, everyone's happy you won, okay, Sunday night. Then Monday, when you look at the film, the offense needs to do some stuff. They, you know, they need to do some stuff. Yep. The defense really can feel pretty good about what they did because they have not. They've been giving up a lot of yards and a lot of points. Now, I would just caution everyone. Everyone take a step back because Arizona, Arizona played a very poor offensive football game. Mm-hmm. They, they they were they were not very good. I didn't like their play selection. Uh, Murray Murray didn't look good to me at all. He missed throws he should have made. You know they fumbled. They turned the ball over. But having said that, give credit to the defense. And so I think that they changed some things. I know they did, and uh, and allowed and kind of cut the defensive lineman loose a little bit. Yeah, that's what Pete mentioned. Yeah, and 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 that worked to their advantage against that team that day. We'll see a better indicator of where they are right now will be this week because I think San Diego is a better football team right now than Arizona. And uh, and their their quarterback, is, is even though he's banged up a little bit, is he's a pretty good player. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Pete mentioned uh, that he was going to make some adjustments, and his quote was before the game, we hope they work, and they did. And uh, Nuosu mentioned, uh, it was either yesterday or the day before, that like you alluded to, He's got more freedom of movement and choice, making up plays and moves on his own outside the assigned gaps and calls. Those were That was his exact words. So maybe you can give us a little indication of what that means and how often does that actually happen. I mean, did, did your defensive coordinator say, hey, rush wherever you want to rush? Or how, no. how does that work? No, it's a little misleading when they say that because okay. you, you call a – you have a defensive play call, like on offense, and everyone has their responsibilities. What what might change is the defensive lineman if if they're going to penetrate or if they're going to play at the line of scrimmage with gap control and play it that way. Uh, blitzing, obviously, you know, you can call more blitzes. In which case, the player himself thinks they're cutting me loose. I'm, I'm I got some freedom here. Yep. But at the same time, if you're an outside pass rusher. And or a blitzer, you still have to you still have a responsibility like say contain or whatever it might be. So, yeah, they they uh, what allows them to talk about this is the fact that Arizona only scored three points or whatever they scored. Yeah. I forget. Yeah. Nine nine points. Nine points and and there wasn't even an offensive touch. Yeah, and one was it? Uh, yeah, the fumble. So exactly. You know that allows them, but but what it does though, it gives them a better feeling. The players, the, the the mood in the locker room, the mood in the building this week, mm-hmm. the defense, okay, we started out slow, gave up a lot of points in, in previous games. 
we're hitting our, we're getting better. We're getting better. Our young guys are responding. We're getting better. Well, those rookies. I mean, the rookies overall have played. Here's my here's my stat of the day. You you love my stats. I do. Uh, they have played 168 more snaps for the Seahawks than the, any other team in the NFL. I mean, rookies have played far more of the snaps than any other team in the NFL. And Tariq Woolen's getting most of that hype and and most of the awards. And you know, people are using uh using Tariq Woolen and and Pro Bowl and All Pro and they're throwing all these things things out is the hype going a little bit too far for Woolen talk to me about how you evaluate what you've seen in the first month and a half from him from him yeah I, I think you know he's uh his, his size is very unusual for cornerback first of all his size and speed you could, that combination it's a little like Metcalf on the other side of the ball yeah he's drafted he's a big guy runs fast same thing with Woolen Okay, the fact he's got four interceptions already, uh, that that pumps everybody up. That opens everyone's eyes to this guy. Now, you know, uh, they might be bad throws or whatever. You'd have to analyze the interceptions, each one of them. But he did make the plays, mm-hmm. and he caught the ball. Now, he's still a rookie, and he still gets turned around and beat a little bit, and but he makes up for it a little bit with his speed and his size. So I, I think... Things might be a little too excited for him right now, yeah. people's excitement. But, you know, I think over the long haul, they they really have something there, I think. And it seems like big plays find him. And maybe that's because opposing offensive coordinators are like, well, I'm going to go with this rookie and I'm going to go with that rookie. And so maybe that's why the big plays find them, because they are stepping up because Kobe Bryant is in the middle of some big plays as well. No, that, and, and to your point, the, the rookies are playing way more snaps um, and this is the season to do that. Yep. Not only on defense, but on offense with the tackles. So you're, you're, and then the running back. Now you're going to have a lot of rookies play an important role in this team. And the thing that's encouraging and should be encouraging to to everybody is, is how they're coming along, how spirited they are. Still, that I think the coaches have done a nice job of that. Pete's done a nice job of that. And then the fact is, the division, Dick. I, I. You know, we went in saying, okay, Arizona, San Francisco, the Rams. Ooh, heck, they're, they're, they're tied for the division lead That's right, right now. That's you, right. If you're a Rams fan, you can't be real excited about how they've started. No. And Arizona's looked bad. Yes. And, and San and Francisco's fits and starts. It's fits and starts, and they've been hurt, you know. Yeah. And so, heck, this division, it could get kind of wild. It reminds me of my first couple years in Green Bay. We had Minnesota. Uh, Barry Sanders with the Lions, and whoever would win the division would be nine and seven, and we were all kind of banging away at each other, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, it was a good, good football teams, but it was that kind of division, right? You know, so th- that's what I'm feeling now with this this group. Well, you mentioned Kyler, and you know, I, I wish I wish we could have had a situation where Kyler played 15 years ago, and you could have gotten your hands on Kyler Murray because I would have loved to see. You know, a true quarterback guru get their hands on that lump of clay because he's got some he's got some special athletic ability to him. So, how would you go about coaching Kyler Murray if you had him? Uh, well, first of all, I think you know. First of all, you you're right. He has he has really remarkable, unique ability. He is fast. He is fast, and he can really run and gain yards running. Okay, but then you have to kind of tone things down for him as far as his what what you're asking him to do in the passing game. I think, mm-hmm. 
you noticed yesterday or in the late game on Sunday, I noticed that he did some of the things Russell did early. He held the ball a little too long in the pocket, and he got sacked. He got sacked, but some of that was he held the ball too long. He, he's in the pocket. Uh, it, with him and his ability to move, the play-action passes and keeps and movement don't have him set up behind the center too often. He's got to be able to do that. But just don't have the defense not knowing exactly where his, his set point's going to be. Right. That's, and take advantage of his great athletic ability that way. I didn't see that. I didn't see it. That's why I was critical of, of the play calling last Sunday because Arizona, I thought they, they, uh, they didn't attack the way I thought they should with that quarterback. Does all the talk about Kyler not studying enough and then putting that into the contract and then it got out and it became a big embarrassment for them. I mean, does that bother you much or as a coach, would that be something that you would be really, really concerned about or something like, hey, you know, I'm going to make sure he studies enough and we're not going to make a big deal about it. Well, you have to see, you have to make sure he understands the game plan and understands what you're asking him to do. And it doesn't take too long for a coach, and you're watching, you're grading the film, and you're looking at those things, and you're saying, okay, and then you sit down with your quarterbacks. If I'm in the room with the quarterbacks, I go, why'd you do that? Mm-hmm. Why did you do that? You know, you, you, and then I better get a good answer. And I said, and then you'd, you'd fall back on, remember how we talked about, remember this coverage, we're going to do boom, boom, this and that. He better be able to answer those questions at the very least. Right. Otherwise, you know, then you have a you have a you know a come to Jesus moment with sure. him, where you're sitting down and explaining what it means to be in this league. There, Dick, you know, you've you've been a coach in in sports your whole life. How many guys have great ability but never get there? They never yeah. get there because they can't combine that ability with the discipline of study and preparing. Yeah, you know. I've t- I mean, I'm sure I've mentioned this on the air before, but in, you know, 15, my 15 years of coaching high school basketball, my top two or three most talented teams were nowhere close to my top two or three most successful teams. Yeah, yeah. My top two, top two or three most successful teams had talent, but they didn't have that guy. Right. And sometimes that guy, you know, it's all about him. He doesn't buy into the system, and all of a sudden things start crumbling. Yeah. And I think you're seeing that. You can see that around the league with different coaches. And different, if, if the connection isn't there with your star player, in this case, most of the time it's quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, to, to start the ball rolling, you get you get other pieces, of course. But that's why it's the connection. And I was, uh, you know, blessed with having be able to coach that position my whole life. Yeah. And in the, it's it's so important. And. Uh, you know, sometimes you, when you shake your head at a great player and you're watching a game and you go, gee whiz, why, what, what happened there? Why did he do that? Mm-hmm. Well, he did it probably because he, he was doing something athletically and not maybe the smartest thing or what he was trained to do or asked to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, Cody Barton went from 85% of the snaps on average for the first five weeks to 39% last week. And what I'm trying to figure out, and I don't know, uh, hopefully you can help me, is was Cody Barton just taken out because they didn't want Cody Barton in? Or was Cody Barton taken out just simply because, no, we think we're going to be better off 
you know, using more of a dime package or what have you. And, and that's just, I, I, was it admonishing Cody Barton or was it just a change of scheme, do you think? That's an interesting question. And I, uh, it, it, you and I would be guessing a little bit on yeah. as to why. But typically if that happens, you take a starting linebacker who's been starting the whole year, right? Yep. Okay, so then now he all of a sudden he's, he's in there, but he's not playing as much. You could say it's because they went with a different philosophy for this game and they talked about changing the defense a little bit because it hasn't been working. Right. It hasn't been working. So he got caught in that, I would say. I would say. On grading him, I don't look at the film like Hugh does, you know, that maybe he just made too many mistakes, mm-hmm. missed too many tackles. You know, maybe that, that had to be part of it. I would it think. seems to me he gets caught up in the wash a lot. Yeah. That's that's the thing. It, it, like, it reminds me of you know when with you, know, you take your grandkids to to the beach, right? And you stick them out in the waves, and all of a sudden they just get washed away. You know, and you lose hand. Like, oh, I gotta go. Run. It it seems like Cody gets caught up in the wash by big offensive linemen, and he can't get through them. Well, some of that, and that's true. I've seen the same thing, but that's where your front. And the linebackers have to work so closely together, and that's where you take a guy, you know, you you take the linebackers they've had in the past. They were so good at that, at seeing something and reacting a little quicker instead of just a tick late, and all of a sudden someone's on you, right? A big guy's on you. What to use your getting caught up in the wash? Yeah, you know, and that comes with experience, and you know, some of those guys haven't played a lot of football yet as starters mm-hmm. you know and so that that was part of it so i think when they when they did that brought in an, an extra defensive back to be a dime package yeah part of that was how arizona lines up their personnel and things like that mm-hmm. so that was part of it but i think i i happen to like cody Barton. i think he's a, he works hard and i think all that kind of stuff but he's, he's now he's playing a lot for the first time mm-hmm. and and maybe you're just a tick late a tick late and so you know you get better with experience the one thing that encourages me about the defense is particularly the run defense against kind of the conventional handoff like what's killed in the last couple of weeks Taysom Hill on the wildcat and Kyler Murray on the read, read option and those you're not going to face Taysom Hill and Kyler Murray the rest of the year you're going to face passing quarterbacks that like to hand the ball off to running backs and against the Saints and against the Cardinals the run defense against the running back has actually been pretty good. Yeah, well, one thing, you, you, you know, you don't want to run it inside too much because they got those big honkers in there, and that they play, and they've been playing pretty well. You know, they're tough to block. Yeah. You know, you put a big man like we have over the center, yeah. and all of a sudden he just pushes and collapses things. Oh, Monet was yeah. shoving the center back and all Monet day. Monet does on that Sunday. too. Yeah. So, you, you know, you – that's that you got to understand that's happening too uh but like i said that tied in with me with the play selection mm-hmm. you know don't do that right go go off tackle go wide yep. go quick tosses get you know don't don't bang in there bang in there bang in there and then you wind in a bit in passing third down along situations and their quarterback's not playing well 
That's the coach. We're here at the Central Bar and Restaurant in Bellevue. We'll switch it over and talk a little Seahawk offense. Is there some concern about Geno Smith maybe coming down to earth a little bit after what he's seen uh, the last couple of weeks, particularly this week against Arizona? And moving forward, we'll talk to more of the coach until 5 right here on 93.3 KJRFM. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm at the nail salon. I'm at the grocery store. I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Groceries through Instacart delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. Hear us anywhere, anytime on Alexa or Google Play at Sports Radio 93.3 KJRFM and on the iHeartRadio app. Now back to Softy and Dick. Here at the Central Bar and Restaurant in Bellevue, it's the Mike Holmgren Show here until 5 o'clock. We'll chat with Booney at 5 about some Mariner baseball and also get his thoughts of the uh, ALCS and the NLCS. You know, Coach, we were, we were kind of talking off the air about you know, offenses and how, how coaches run their offenses and, and who knows what they're doing and who doesn't know what they're doing. One thing that I, I think is interesting is it seems like, and this, this works in basketball too, it seems like great offenses can't play defense, and it seems like struggling offenses have defenses that at least keep them in games. And, I, and I'm, I'm wondering, is that just because of pace of play? Why does it always seem like that, that you're either an offensive team with a bad defense or you're a defensive team with a bad, with a bad offense? Well, it's just, I know, I, I, don't, I don't have a great answer for you. I think when you get a chance to go to the Super Bowl or get close to it, you have both. Yeah. You know, you have both. But this season... This, you're exactly right. This season in particular, I, that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing how many games have we seen where it's 12 to 10, 16 yeah. to 14. I mean, it's crazy. But it tied, no one wants to kick field goals anymore. They're all going for it on fourth down that we talked about in the, in the break, too. But, no, I, and, but having said that, you know, I'm an offensive guy, so I would like to. Give me the points, and I'll, I we'll get our, we'll scratch together a defense that'll hold us in there most of the time. It, it seems like the going for it is as soon as, and it's not even as soon as you cross the fifty. Like three or four years ago, is as soon as you cross the fifty. If I've got fourth and less than five, I'm going for it. Now it's like, God, on your own thirty-eight, you're going for it sometimes on on fourth and three, fourth and four, and I, and and like I mentioned in the break. We saw, I saw. I watched two games in person this weekend: Huskies Arizona and Seahawks Arizona. And seven times, Husky coach, Wildcats coach, or the Cardinals coach went for it on fourth down seven times in field goal range, and seven times they failed to get the foot. I mean, twenty-one points taken off the board because these coaches are just like, no, I'm gonna, I'm, I've got this play. I know what I want. I know what I'm gonna do, and and just. 
I'm just thinking, take the points, man, for the most part. Unless you get, you got fourth and inches from the 30-yard line, okay, I get it. Go for the first down, but take the field goal. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I always would take the points. I, I almost always take the points. I think now with the analytics part of football that wasn't maybe there 10 years ago, okay, that someone's figured out something that 70% of the time you do this is successful, and they do the math. And so they say, okay, that's on my side. The other thing they say is, okay, it's fourth and one or fourth and two, not fourth and four. Yeah. We, I've got a, the perfect play to get this done, and my offense so far has shown that I can get that done. Now, in the game Sunday, you, you t- look at the three points. If, if Arizona kicked the field goals, they might have won the game. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they may have won the game. But to do it to strike out three or four times in a yeah. game, oh, gosh, that's that's poor planning and poor decision-making. Well, and you and I may think there's a difference between going for it on fourth and two and fourth and four, but these days, fourth and two isn't a rundown. Right. Fourth and two is a pass down right. 90% of the time. Right. So I think these coaches are thinking, eh, fourth and two, fourth and four, fourth and five, it's the same thing. I'm going to throw a pass anyway. Yeah. So And, and I just I don't understand why there's not more – running on third and four or five and on fourth and two and because everybody knows that you're going to throw in those situations but you look at the teams that have been and and i I don't want to bring up denver all the time but (laughs) the the the, and denver's not the only team but you get in that situation fourth and one or third and one and you the the arizona did they rolled out and they're in the red zone yeah and and he he rolls out takes a five-yard loss you know, because you want to pass instead of just banging it up in there with somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if I have Walter Jones and Steve Hutchinson on one side of the line of scrimmage, I want to just hand the ball as quickly as I can to whomever right behind them, and that's where we're going to get the first down. Right. Give us another set of downs as much as I like to pass the ball. And so you cannot miss that many times on those short yardage situations and expect to win the game. And that's what happened last Sunday. Geno Smith, he's had excellent games against Atlanta, uh, against Detroit, against New Orleans, so three in a row there. The Denver game, we'll call that a half and half because in the first half he was good, in the second half he did nothing. And then he's had a couple of struggle games, uh, San Francisco and and Arizona. I'm I'm getting a little nervous about Geno Smith and the passing game. Should I be getting nervous about Geno Smith in the passing game where we're not going to see this sustained success for much longer? I don't think so. Okay. I, I think I think you're you're going to he's going to he's going to be who he is. And like you said, he hasn't gone lights out in every game. Right. But but he's been pretty good. And yeah. he wasn't he has not been the reason that they've lost games. He has not That's been right. the reason he's lost games. So if he continues to play like that and the thing that impresses me a little bit is that he's using the tight ends. They're catching the ball. That's a good thing. This running back is going to be good if he can stay healthy. He really impressed me. Offensively, they have good weapons. Now, if they could find a third receiver, then they, you got everything you want on offense. And uh, the your rookie tackles, that's not going to be the problem. Gino is going to play the way he plays. How much he has to throw it, and those things will be determined by how the defense plays and where they are in the game. Uh, otherwise, I think he'll be—he's shown a lot of consistency, Dick. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I like that. And I think he's going to be fine. 
Well, Ken Walker is getting uh, as much love on the offensive side of the ball as Tariq Woolen is on the on the defensive side of the ball, and it's coming from a lot from the national pundits. Uh, I've got a quote right here from uh, from Chris Sims, former quarterback. He says, "I know it's been just one week, but man, I'm blown away by Kenneth Walker already. The moves he makes, he clearly has the potential to be the best pure runner in the NFL. A special, special talent." <laughs> I mean, I did, small sample size, but he is—he is, he had 12 missed tackles. That was the most of, of any running back in the NFL last week. 12 missed tackles in that game, and and the shiftiness is very impressive. How sustainable is his game? Do you think? I think it's—I think it's sustainable. I, I would say uh, to—I would tell Chris if he was sitting here. I said, I know you want the ratings for your show to go up and high, so you're going <laughs> to say these things. To say he's right now, he's the the best natural runner in the—you know—I mean. He has that, the ability. His quote: He has. He clearly has the potential to be the best pure runner in the NFL. Yeah, well, it's a little early for that. Little, <laughs> you know, you talked about sample size, one game. However, in the one game, you did see things that were very, very impressive. You saw toughness. You saw a change of direction. You saw like a second gear. You know, you you saw things at, that you saw tough to tackle. One guy tackling. So those are things that that tell you. He's the real deal. He's the real deal. And so he catches the ball. I mean, yeah. he, there's, there's nothing bad that I saw. Right. It's just that one game, okay, there's a lot of football left to be played. Well, and missed tackles, too, are just par for the course, unfortunately, in the NFL. I mean, we see the Seahawks have got a little bit better at it, but my gosh, there, there's been a lot of whiffs. And it, I got to imagine that's just simply because you can't practice in pads very much anymore. That's a good point. I was just thinking that too, and it's how they prepared in their training camp. How they have, to, they're asked, or I guess they have to practice a certain way now by league rules uh, during the season, and that's going to. I don't care how talented you are, you got to practice tackle. You got to practice those things, right? And if you can't practice it like they used to practice it, uh, you're going to miss tackles. And you're right. We've seen a, a, all throughout the league. There are a lot of missed tackles in the secondary in particular. Mike Holmgren joining us. One more segment. We're going to chat some baseball with Brett Boone in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, I want to talk to him about the the rest of the NFL. Are we seeing good football around the NFL? Are we seeing that's just, you know, parody-filled? Are we seeing really mediocre football from most of the teams in the NFL? We'll talk about that coming up next with the coach on 93.3 KJRFM. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we spent a lot of time talking to Coach about the Hawks. Let's branch out a little bit, talk about what's going on in the rest of the uh, the National Football League. And Coach, big picture, we have a lot of teams at three and three. Uh, we have some teams at at two and four that look just as good as the teams that are four and two. So, I mean, parity's great because it keeps all the fan bases into it, keeps all the teams in 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 playoff contention for a long, long time. But is what you're seeing good football right now? Uh, most of the time it's good football, but I'm saying I think it surprised everybody. 
I think the Eagles, correct me if I'm wrong, the Eagles are the only, they're undefeated. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, and some of the teams that we expected to, to, to show, I use the Rams as an example, have not. Why? It seems to me this year, I just have this feeling, and you, you probably know the stats. You're good at that stuff. But there are a lot of injuries to key people on different teams this year, and it's affecting the performance on the field. It clearly is. And so uh, some of them come back this week, but like in San Diego, they're, they're, they have a really good wide receiver who hasn't been able to play. Yep. Uh, you know, the Bosa guys, they haven't been able to play. You know, they so – that's been a factor, but I, I agree with you. I think it's been right now a little bit above average. Okay, for me, I, I've seen some really kind of bad football too. Mm-hmm. And I think you, know, you named a couple of the teams, and I'll throw the Forty ers in as the third team. I mean, those are when I'm just thinking of. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I, when I'm thinking of the most injured teams with key injuries: right. San Francisco and the two LA teams, who we thought all three teams would be. You know, playoff if not Super Bowl type contenders, sure. and they're all kind of hanging in there at you know staying in the playoff race. Chargers at four and two, Rams at three and three, Forty Nineers at three and three. But because of those injuries, you know that probably keeps a five and one team and pushes them down to four and two or five or three and three. Well, they say I think everyone said okay. The right now the AFC is much stronger than the NFC. You have Buffalo, Kansas City. Yeah. Okay. Take take Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay they. They're not scoring a lot of points. They've won some games, but they're not scoring a lot of points. And Brady is, is hasn't been Brady, you know. So their their team's struggling just a little bit. The NFC is not showing like the AFC. Buffalo looks really good to me, really good to me. And that's a tough place to play too when you have to go in there and play. So, you know. But I think you know it'll it, it, it's good for the league to have it real close at the end, where every team, a lot of teams are still playing for. The playoffs and a hope of getting in, that's good for the fans. It's good for the league. We saw another in, uh, instance of Tom Brady just getting after his offensive line uh, on, the, on the sidelines. I mean, if you're, if you're walking the sidelines and you're, and you're coaching, and it is Tom Brady, but, I mean, how do you handle it? And have you had a situation where you've had a, a quarterback just go over and just lay into his protection? Not like that. Not like that. A lot of times quarterbacks – you know, I, I guess it's because it's Tom Brady, and he's older than all those guys, and he's older than most of the coaches. And <laughs> you know, he's been the reason he's there is he's kind of been given uh, a title, not in, in not enough in pay on paper, mm-hmm. but he he runs that place. And so, in my experience, if a quarterback was a little too careless that way, he might get smacked by one of those linemen. Maybe not on the field. But yeah. afterwards, you know, I mean, because those guys protecting, you know, that that surprised me. The other thing that surprised me, and I, I, this is off the subject just a little bit, but, you know, when Russell Wilson in his press conference talked about his hamstring, you go, ah, you, you know, you know, we had a kind of a rule. At press conference, you don't talk about injuries. Right. Particularly after you have a maybe a not-so-great game. It seems like then – that you're using that as an excuse. Well, I have a ham- I have a bad hamstring. You don't have to say that in a press conference. Mm. That that's that's behind closed doors in the locker room, and then on Monday you deal with it or something. Right. Not right away. It, it, it's it's a bad look in my opinion. 
mentioned Russell there. Do you think if this continues with Denver over the next couple weeks, do you think the coach will be gone midseason? Oh, boy. I, I, it's No, I don't think so, Dick. It's, I, uh, to, have, to, have, to fire a coach eight games into a five-year deal or whatever he has, <laughs> <laughs> that, I don't care who you are. You know, I think they'd let him finish the year. Yeah. But the expectations certainly were high. And it's not working out the way they wanted it, not right now anyway. And I'm wondering if they'll start to just cut bait, maybe make some trades. If, if they just see that this isn't the year and they've already been depleted trade-wise or uh, draft pick-wise because of the Russell Wilson trade, maybe they try to go trade some veterans and, and get some picks so they can try to load up for next year. You know what makes me nervous about that? They have new ownership. The yeah. Walton family bought that. Now, the, everything I read about Denver, they always mention the general manager. Even the coach, you know, Hackett talks about, well, I'm talking to the general manager. And, you know, I fought those battles. You know what? <laughs> you get too many people involved in decision-making, but the things have to be done by November 1st now. Yep. You know, so trade. So it's getting close now to have it. But you know what? You have bring up a good point. They might do that. But then... If, depending on how they feel, if they, if they know they can fix this and it's just a temporary thing, that's mm-hmm. one thing. If they're, they're going down inside, no, this is not working the way we – this is not working, then then you might see some changes. Well, the team that's got all guns a-blazing, and you you mentioned them, Buffalo, I mean, that was the win of the year, uh, winning at Kansas City 24-20. to All of us were watching the Seahawks game at the same time, so we didn't get, get to see a lot, of, a lot of that game. But there was a drive in there at the end of the second quarter where Kansas City had already taken their second timeout. There was a third and 13 at Buffalo's own one-yard line. And instead of just saying, all right, run the ball, Kansas City will take his last timeout, let's just get out of here, right, and see if we can stop him from getting into field goal range. They put pedal to the metal, and Josh Allen on third and 13, 18-yard pass, and then a three-yard pass, and then a 30-yard pass, and then a 14-yard pass, and then a 34-yard pass, 99-yard touchdown drive on the road in the final minute of the first half. I mean, that I could help cement an MVP bid for Josh Allen. It's just amazing what that team's doing. Yeah, and he's he's uh, he did it last year. You remember that game? That that playoff game was oh. one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Absolutely. And you know, if it wasn't for Tariq Hill, you know, Buffalo would have won that game too. They should have. Kind of, I think that's how they feel, but you know that's how they're going. They've got a lot of confidence in that young man, and he's he is he's shooting lights out right now. Mm-hmm. And so they have a good football team, and I like Sean. Sean, he's a good coach too, the head coach. And and Andy Reid's got a good team too. I mean, they didn't yeah. they didn't back down. That's gonna. I mean, that that should be. Let's yeah. hope that's the the AFC Championship game, and then they may add something. I mean, last week I asked you about the Packers going after Odell Beckham. Well, now Travis Kelsey just restructured his contract, and the the little birdies out there are saying, well, that's because they need some extra money to sign Odell Beckham. Ah. So you didn't think last week that the Packers were a good fit for Odell Beckham. Do you think your guy Andy's team is good a good fit for Odell Beckham? You know, I, I do. Andy And Andy's good with guys like that. I mean, he's. I think the thing that's why isn't – Beckham, why isn't he playing for someone right now? Because he's still he's still coming back. Yeah, he's, he's still, still coming not back. Right, but he, but it's this too. Yeah, it's money. He, he, yep. he I know he he's asked he asked for more money than people were willing to give him. Yeah. Now we'll see what happens right now, but he would help. 
if he's healthy, you know, he he would help anybody. He's he's really good. He is good. Great. You're good too. Hey, thanks. you're good too. Enjoy your uh, enjoy your wife's birthday tomorrow. That'll oh, be fun. Oh, listen, it's going to be so good. The only problem was, I should have talked to you, the younger guys that I know. Buying presents for we've been married 51 years. Yeah, <sighs> that's hard. I'm 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 I'm, I'm drawing a little bit of a blank, and I I yeah. I. I uh, my birthday and Christmas presents have gotten less romantic throughout the years. They've gotten more practical and less romantic. I so. tell, I tell, whenever I go to Nordstrom's or somebody to tell buy something for Kath, I said she'll be back in three or four days. Just should I keep this? Yeah, keep receipt? the receipt. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Well, happy birthday, Kathy. We'll uh, talk to you next week, Coach. All right, bud. Take you care. You bet. That's Mike Holmgren. We'll talk to him again next week. But Brett Boone talking baseball right right after top of the hour headlines right here on 93.3 KJRFM. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now from the Star Rental Sports Desk, your 93.3 KJRFM Sports Headlines. Sports Headlines at 5 o'clock brought to you by VenueKings.com. Baseball. Austin Nola, first player ever to record a hit off his brother in a postseason game, an 8-5 San Diego win over the Phillies in the NLCS yesterday, game three tomorrow in Philly. I've talked about, talk to Brett Boone about that. He's the he's the baseball family guy. Shane Wright got his first NHL point with an assist on a Ryan Donato goal, but the Kraken got their second overtime loss already this season, falling 4-3 at Climate Pledge in a, to St. Louis, rather. Cal Raleigh announced his finalist for the Gold Glove Award at catcher. Keenan Allen and Corey Lindsley both limited for the Chargers at practice today. We've got Thursday night football coming up in about 20 minutes. The Cardinals are wearing the all-blacks at home tonight against the Saints. Let's talk some baseball with our friend Brett Boone. Coming to you live from our Elliott Avenue studios of Sports Radio 93.3 KJR-FM. It's time for our weekly conversation with former Mariners all-star Brett Boone. Brought to you by Venue Kings. Visit VenueKings.com for all your ticket needs. Now with Booney, here's Softy and Dick. Here comes the Boone, ready or not. Brett, how you doing, man? Hey, Dick. I'm doing well. Good, good. You know, I was surprised when I read that, that Austin Nola was the first player ever to get a hit off of, off his brother in a playoff game. You would have thought in the, like, millions of years we've been playing postseason baseball <laughs> that a brother would have faced another brother and got a base hit. Yeah, I mean, in the past, I don't, who knows? You know, the pitcher-hitter thing, got to, one's got to be a pitcher, one's got to be a hitter. Right. Back in the day, there was no interleague play. One could be in the That's American true. League, one national. Pretty interesting. It's a pretty interesting thing. That would be the weirdest thing. You know, I played – Aaron and myself played against each other, with each other. Really wasn't that big of a deal to us. Once a game started, it was a teammate or an opponent. But the pitcher-hitter thing is unique. You know, it would be kind of strange if if that battle went on. Um, So, no, interesting. Uh, He got the knock. But it's got to be a little surreal facing your brother. You know, he probably did it 100 times in the backyard – 
growing up and now you're doing it on the big stage. Pretty cool. Pretty cool what's getting your, the knock. What's your dad do when you were facing Aaron in the game? Like in a in a big game? Like how do how do you handle that as a parent? I yeah, I think uh it it came up a few years ago. Um when dad was uh you know vice president with the Washington Nationals and Aaron's in the postseason uh with the Yankees and and the question was to to mom you know Sue Boone what are you going to do if they face if they face one another in the world series <laughs> you know cuz you got dad on the on the uh winning one as a as an executive he won one as a player uh, which and her answer was well, I'll worry about that when we get there. I just pull for them both right now. So, <laughs> you yeah, but you pull for them both. As a parent, you know, you pull for them both to do well and, and let the chips fall where they may. Hey, I'll tell you what, there's not a bad outcome for, for the NOLA no. parents. That's right. They're going to get a winner uh, regardless uh, going to the next round. Well, uh, Booney, the last time we talked to you was right after game number two, the uh, the 4-2 to two Mariner loss to, to the Houston Astros, and then uh, we have not talked to you since one of the most epic playoff battles in history. I mean, it was tied for the longest playoff battle in base, baseball history. Just take me through where you were and kind of, uh, you know, what what you were thinking watching 18 innings of baseball between Houston and Seattle on Saturday night. It was unbelievable. Matter of fact, I was, I was driving across the desert uh, to Arizona. I was moving my daughter. Uh, her and her, her fiance bought a home over there. So I was driving the U-Haul. I had the phone going with, uh, you know, with my Spectrum app. So I watched the whole thing, and the next thing you know, I was getting ready to get on my plane. I'm still watching this this 18-inning <laughs> game. Unbelievable! The pitching duel to go that long, and I'm thinking, who do they who do they have left? You know, what right. if this thing goes 24 innings? Is it going to turn into position player? You know. After game one, Dick, we talked about it. And when you had Verlander on the ropes and, and we didn't get it done, and, and you know, the, the previous game in the previous series, the Mariners had overcome the same type of deficit, and then, lo and behold, the next game, right. they, they got the 7-1 lead to the big boy, and they lose it. That, that's just the game. It's tough. I've been on both ends of it. But with that team, a team like Houston, they're almost robotic. They're, they're so good especially now with, with the Dodgers being out of the postseason. Uh, Houston, in my eyes, is the clear uh, class of baseball right now. They're just, they just don't have a weakness. And, yeah. you know, we didn't take advantage of game one. Maybe things would have been different, you know, with, with being up one, beating Verlander with Castillo on the mound, but it wasn't meant to be. I think the Mariners had a hell of a run this year. It, it, was, it was tough to see them lose, but uh, I think they built a pretty good base going forward, especially when it comes to that, that starting staff and that bullpen. Well, if you get a chance, uh, take a listen to Softy and my conversation yesterday with, with Jerry DePoto. He's, he, as always, just very forthcoming on what his plans are. He talked about uh, the the outfield being a little bit more robust in the free agent market than certainly second base was. I think shortstop's probably even more robust than anything. So, you know, kind of big picture what does this team need to do in your mind to really make a legit run at Houston next year? Well, I think I think when you talk about the starting rotation, that is set. These these yeah. these young kids that have come along and Kirby and Gilbert, man, they they have a chance to be good for a long time. You got your guy Castillo at the top of the rotation. Robbie Ray faltered a little bit at the end, but I expect him to bounce back and be solid in the middle of that rotation. I think your starting rotation is fine. I think Marco Gonzalez will round that out as the fifth starter. 
Uh, you go to the bullpen, same. Man, they came a long way this year. They kind of came into their own. I look at Diego Castillo, and I loved him from the get-go. I think just what he brought to that bullpen. And I'm not necessarily saying what he brought to the mound. Uh, he had his he had his moments where he he was great. He had a couple tough moments, but I think he brought kind of that winning atmosphere, a veteran guy that's been to the postseason before. I think that bullpen grew up a lot this year. Uh, so from the pitching standpoint, I think they're pretty set. We're looking for Winker next year to come back. You know, it, it was a real rough season for Winker, offensively, defensively. Santana added a spark. Are you going to bring him back at 36 years old? I don't know. There's a lot of questions out there. You know, if I was in the GM. GM seat and I was making moves well then trades are on the table but I want to keep it as simple as possible you got to make a decision on Santana he was great for that clubhouse only hit you know right around 200 but it had some big home runs for him uh Hanniger Mitch Hanniger fan favorite Seattle guy uh do you bring him back and if so what is the price Flexen you got to make a decision on Frazier uh, you're going to let Frazier go, bring in somebody, maybe like a Colton Wong who's out there in, in free agency, or a Joey Wendell, a guy that's been in the postseason five or six times. He's 32 years old. A lot of uh, a lot of questions, but I think the Mariners have money to spend. You definitely have to have to go on the offensive side. Crawford, there's some, there's some big shortstops on the free agent market. I yes. believe Tim Anderson. I believe uh, Danby Bo- Swanson with, Bo- with the Atlanta Braves. Correa. Bogarts, uh, do you do you make that move with Crawford, or or do you try to do it somewhere else? You know that's going to be the question. Only the Mariners can can answer that. I don't know what they're willing to to take their budget to. I would think now, 2022, bring that excitement back to the city. Kind of, it, it's the you know it's the golden goose right now. It's like we're right on the brink of of doing something really special for the next four, five, six years. Do you break the bank and go for it and go get the big guy, or are you just kind of uh, patch up some holes. It's going to be interesting to see how how uh, Jerry and and that organization go forward this this winter. But I think uh, I think he is going to make some changes. I think he is going to bolster that offense. You got to look for some comeback years. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do this offseason. I'm a little surprised, and Softy is as well, at the the seemingly unwillingness to want to move J.P. Crawford to second base and bring in. Not that J.P. Crawford's a bad shortstop. He's not a bad shortstop. But if the availability out there is at the shortstop position, like you just mentioned, we threw some names out there. I mean, you basically need two shortstops, don't you, in the middle of that infield? Now when there's no shift anymore, don't you need a shortstop at second with that type of range and a shortstop at shortstop? Well, I don't know. Sometimes when you make that, that move, you know, Crawford still has – his upside is his defense. I think if they went out and got the got the shortstop, the big free agent, the guy that they're going to uh, really depend on from an offensive standpoint, I think they'd end up moving Crawford. And he'd go, okay. he'd go elsewhere and they'd bring in a second baseman, like a, like a Joey Wendell, like a Colton Wong, to play second base, true second baseman. Um, I, like I said, I'd love to sit in that seat. When it comes to trading and moving parts around and getting the big bopper, yeah, that gets a little more intricate. But it, just for surface talk, if you're going to say, what can we do here and simplify it all? Uh, yeah, it, it depends. Are they willing to shell out that big, you know, they, they just signed they just signed Julio to that big $200 million deal, guaranteed 200 could be 400 Are they willing to have another contract like that on the books? You know, the, the team that has that is the San Diego Padres. They got Tatis. They got Machado. They got Soto. What are they going to do with Soto? Can you afford three $300 million contracts? I don't know. Can the Mariners afford two? 
going to be interesting to find out. And also, what what do big money free agents do to chemistry? That that's kind of a worry that I have. Softy and I have been going back and forth about you know about free agents, and my worry about a big big free agent is just what it does to the chemistry of a team that obviously is just loaded with good chemistry right now. Well, I think I think that's the job of a general manager to read the room and and to read other people. You don't just uh, pick a player because he has certain numbers. They don't always match. I've seen that in the past with the Seattle Mariners. They just bring in players that really don't fit that, right. that team chemistry, like you're saying. To read the room, boots on the ground, find out behind the scenes what kind of guy is, is he. Talk to, to, to teammates of his on the other team. You can get that information and, and go to some reliable sources and find out what that perfect fit is. You know, the obvious perfect fits. I think if an Aaron Judge, for example, I don't think he's going to leave New York. But if Aaron Judge was on the open market, I think it's a consensus that he could slide into any team and just be yeah. an unbelievable teammate, just from what he, we've seen this year and the way he carries himself. But you're right. There's some people that, that have a chip on their shoulder, a little bit of an edge. Do we bring him into a clubhouse that we really built this year and, and was seamless? Yeah, that's a great point. I think that's the art of that general manager reading the room. I think the best I ever saw at it was Pat Gillick. He just had the knack everywhere he went. He went to Toronto. He, he built a winner. He left. He was in Seattle. He built a winner. He left. He did it in Philadelphia. He just had the knack for finding that player that fit in that clubhouse, and, and he was brilliant at it. Great stuff, man. We'll talk to you next week. We might have a World Series preview to talk about next week. Very cool, yeah. Uh, Yankees just kicked off. Uh, they got to win today or they're in big yeah, trouble. They are. Thanks, Booney. We'll talk to you next week. You got it, Dick. You bet. That's Brett Boone joining us. He'll uh, join us again Thursday at this time. It's time for Who's Your Bud, Jackson? You fantasy what? For all you fantasy football players tonight. He's a fantasy football genius, okay? Who's Your Bud in tonight's game? All right. I'm taking the Arizona defense. I think this is a low-scoring game. I think both offenses struggle a bit, and we saw that Arizona was really, really aggressive with the blitz. I think they get some sacks and maybe even a pick six tonight. I'm going with the Arizona D. All right, Jackson, you like that? I do like that. I'm going DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I think that he comes back in big form uh, for Kyler Murray. He's a big help to that offense tonight. All right, that's going to do it for us. It is now time to throw it on over to Arizona. We're going to Arizona and New Orleans. Coming up right now on 93.3 KJRFM. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.